glad that you're listening to this podcast. This podcast is a ministry of the Bonners Ferry Baptist Church and of Pastor Devin Neal. Matthew chapter 6, beginning then in verse 25. Let's read this and then I'll make some more comments on this text. Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body. That's the phrase that brings us to this verse tonight. Nor yet for your body, what you shall put on, is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, that which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven... Shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Verse 34, Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Now, obviously, the primary context of this text is not taking thought, whether it's for what we eat or what we drink or for what's going to come tomorrow. But in the midst of this, he tells us not to take thought for our body uh, and what we're going to put on our body, not to be worrisome or anxious or careful. Now, not every person can lay hold of that promise because not every person is a believer in Jesus Christ. But to those who have Christ as their Savior, he says, if you seek my will, I'll meet your physical needs. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What things? Food and clothing, the things you need, shall be added unto you. How many people we have watched and perhaps ourselves have been guilty in our lives of getting worried about earthly things to the neglect of spiritual things. Meaning we worry about the finances. Why do we worry about finances? Because we've got to put food on our table, clothes on our backs. And so we neglect the will of God and say, well, if I do what God wants, my family will starve. If I do what God wants, we'll not have anything to wear because you have to have money to have clothes and money to have food. And you know what I'm saying. We get, and he said right before this, you've got to serve God or mammon. We understand mammon is about providing earthly things. That's all you can buy with money on this earth is earthly things. Now, I do believe you can transfer earthly money into heavenly treasure if we do the right thing with it. But the fact is, if we take thought for those things and for our body, meaning here someone so concerned about the physical body that they will neglect the will of God. And so uh, uh, that's the, the, the primary context is not being careful. He addresses us having a wrong attitude concerning our Body And our first point will be our attitude regarding our bodies. I want to read a couple of verses before we get into the, to the whole of this. Look at Matthew chapter 10. He's going to mention the body again, Matthew chapter 10. And he will say almost the same thing in Luke 12. We'll read those verses here in just a few minutes. But in Matthew chapter 10, in verse 27, he says, What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in light. And what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops. And fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, 
but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Why is it that we believe that the human being is a triune being, spirit, soul, and body? Because God tells us so. Now, by the way, if you think it all, uh, it is God's word that brings great clarity to understand, oh, I understand how I made them. Every one of us know we're not just a body. (laughs) We're not just bodies that eat food and and survive. We have intellect. We have the ability to reason and use that reasoning to make decisions and to incorporate wisdom into what we do. We have emotions that can feel the effects of our decisions. We are made in His likeness. There's not one of God's creatures that you can say is spirit and soul and body other than the human being. We understand it. If you you read a description in the Old Testament of the death of, of Rachel, Jacob's wife, and it says, and as her soul was in departing, we understand physical death is the departure of the soul from the body because the body has died. The body and the soul, the inner man and the outer man, are not the same thing. The inner man is housed within the body. And you say, why are we saying all this? Because we need to have a proper perspective as Christians about our bodies. And what I see, and I say, I don't know of a better time probably to be preaching when I'm preaching tonight than the time we're living in when so many are terrified of the virus. I'm not one of those who deny it. We know it's a reality. If you can avoid getting it, do so. That's fine. But how many people have you seen that are living in absolute terror over COVID-19? Now, Why? Why would there be such terror? Because there is an emphasis on the body more than on the soul. The body is important. Uh, don't misunderstand. Uh, you'll see that as we go through this. God cares about how our bodies are used. But may I say this? We will not properly steward our bodies if we don't think of them in a biblical context from the mind of Jesus Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ gave his body to be beaten, bruised, pierced with nails, and crucified. Did he not? Had he been like many of us, he never would have. Because the body for some becomes, it becomes something that is worshipped. It becomes something that is served. I'm going to say something, and I may say it more than once in this message as the Lord leads, but we are to use our bodies to serve God. We are not ever to serve our bodies. Please don't miss that. Our bodies are tools like money to be used to serve God, but we are not to be servants of our bodies, of our bodily appetites or our bodily uh, attractions. We are not to serve that. Our bodies are tools as believers who've been bought with a price to serve God. And it is that perspective we want to see tonight. So number one, and if, if you're especially taking notes, number one, I want us to understand our attitude that is instructed concerning or regarding our bodies. God gives us a number of things, like the verses we've just read, that give us an instruction how to think about the body. In moving to North Idaho, I remember when I lived back in East Tennessee. Uh, now, back east, um, diet back there is, Brother Harris, I would say 90% of the food is fried. So I would say, back where I came from, Grandma fried everything. I'm not going to tell you that's healthy for you. So I would say when I, the part of the country I came from probably could have a little more attention to caring for the body and keeping it well. But I come out here and there are people that make a religion out of health. I kid you not. I mean, they, they are more terrified of, of getting something wrong with their physical health than they are of going to hell. I, I know that's straightforward straight speech, but it's truth. 
I knew of a man some years ago. He had been born again, had a profession of faith, but man, he got consumed with physical health. And at 55, 56 years old, I think he was, he was a specimen of health. He jogged, he exercised, he ate natural, only all natural. And I'm not against eating all natural. Don't misunderstand anything I'm telling you tonight. But he had, it became like, he, he bought and purchased and ran a health food store. This is, if you met him, that was the central focus of his life was physical health. Even though he was a saved man, had a, a testimony of salvation. He died on his exercise equipment of a massive heart attack before he reached 60 years of age. Meaning, it didn't work. You say, well, that's one of those... I'm saying, that focus ended up being vanity. All the energy, all the finance poured into the body. That's an improper perspective of the body. There's other people that say, well, my body's just going to rot and go on the ground anyway. What does it matter? That's a wrong perspective concerning the body. I'll just do what I please with my body. I don't need to do anything terribly immoral or bad, but, you know, might as well enjoy life while I'm here and they don't take good care of the body. I believe that's sinful as well. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost. I don't believe we should mark it up with tattoos. I don't think we should fill it with tobacco smoke. Uh, I don't think we should pour booze into it. We'll have messages that deal with all of that. I don't believe we ought to be gluttons and eat things that uh, overeat things. God talks about you eat too much honey, you'll vomit it up. Honey is good, but too much is not. God tells us what is where to draw lines and gives us guidance on those things. And so it, it, I'm trying to say there's enough Scripture that the Christian can know how to think about his or her body and the, the right attitude toward it. First of all, I'll give you just a few, four, four simple points on the attitude about our body. Number one, we are not to be careful about our bodies. We already read that. The Bible says, take no thought for your body what you should put on. Take no thought. You know what thought means? It means be anxious and careful. Philippians 4, 6 says, Be careful for nothing except your health. Now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've been blessed. God's been good to me. I've not had a lot of health problems in the last, to the last 30 or 40 days. And I don't have serious health problems, but I've had some that I have to address. And I'll be honest with you. You don't feel good, and you're not sure what's wrong with you. That can be a scary thing. But I'll tell you something. God still says it's wrong to be careful about our bodies, what we shall eat or what we shall drink or wherewithal we shall be clothed. Uh, Carefulness about the body is an inappropriate attitude, and especially the maintaining of a couple of things. Number one, the provision for our body talks about what you shall eat or what you shall drink. Uh, He said, I don't want you careful about that. I don't want you worrying about whether or not you're going to starve to death. If you're my servant, I'll take care of you. And I don't want you worrying or careful about what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on, because that's taken care of. So about our preservation of life or the provisions for our body, he says, fear not them which destroy the body. He said, there are people that are going to threaten you with death, meaning man has the ability to end your physical life, but I don't want you to fear them, I want you to fear God. You know what he's saying? Don't be careful about preserving your bodily existence or providing for your bodily needs. Now, I didn't say he won't provide. He says he doesn't want us careful about our bodies. He does not want us careful. And I've already alluded to this. It is very clear in Scripture. He does not want us careless. Bible says, and I believe it's Proverbs chapter 23, put a knife to thy throat if thou be a man given to appetite. He tells us, wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise, Proverbs 20 verse 1. The meaning, don't be careless about your body. He says, flee fornication, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Every sin that a man committeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his body. You know what he's saying? Don't you be careless with your body. 
And so we're not to be careful. What are we going to eat? What are we going to drink? What are we going to wear? What if somebody wants to kill me? No, no, no. There, there are pe- I, I tell you, I tell you, I know where I'm preaching at. There are people in this part of the world that live every day of their lives in fear of someone doing something, either robbing them of their way of life, food and clothing, or robbing them of their very life, coming in and shooting them, living in fear. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we're not to be careful, number one. We're not to be careful, careless, number two. Give a number of instruction, tell us uh, that we're not to be careless with our bodies. Number three, uh, we are not to be confident in. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. Don't trust your fleshly impulses to make right decisions. The body and its impulses and its affections are not to be trusted. Philippians chapter 3. Now, I understand what Paul's speaking of here is the nature of the flesh, but that includes the physical body. Philippians chapter 3, uh, the, there was false teachers that are referred to in general as the circumcision. They, they believed that an outward symbol of faith was uh, necessary for salvation. So Paul says this, For we are the circumcision which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus and have how much confidence in the flesh? No confidence in the flesh. If you were to read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, our body there is referred to as vile. He'll change our vile bodies into an uncorruptible body. Our bodies are referred to as mortal. Now, here's one thing I know. I don't know what year will be on my gravestone, but if Jesus doesn't come back, one day I'm going to have a gravestone, and it's going to have 1980 dash and a year. Because bodies are temporary. Be careful how much you invest in something that you know is going to rot. Pastor, that's disgusting. It's a fact. If the Lord Jesus doesn't come, this old body is going to keep getting, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. It's going to start withering. More hair is going to fall out. It's not going to look better. It's going to get worse. It's not going to get healthier. It's going to get unhealthier. There are people that are that, that live careful. There are people that live careless. Some start careless and then they get real careful. Yeah. And my point is, you know what? Don't put confidence in something that's corrupt. Our bodies are corruptible and they're corrupt. And so Paul says, we, we have no confidence in the flesh. Don't trust your physical impulses and senses. How many times do we do that? It, if somebody said long ago, if it feels right, do it. What a foolish statement to make. What a sinful statement to make. And so then, our attitude regarding our bodies, not to be careful. Those are the verses we started with. We're not to be uh, careless. We're not to be confident in. And we're not to be consumed with our bodies. First Timothy chapter 4. We are in a culture that is consumed with bodies. So, for instance, the heroes of our day... Uh, I say our, not ours, but the, what, what makes a hero in the world? Number one, how much money you have. Number two, how well you can care or do something with your body that others can't do because of the money you have. That's kind of it. So you have athletes, we admire them because they can move their legs at a certain rate of speed. It's the truth. We, we admire athletes because of how high they can jump, and there's nothing wrong with jumping high and running fast. But there are people making millions upon millions of dollars because of what they can do with their bodies. 
Now they take those same bodies and go commit horrible sins with those same bodies and all those things. But the fact is the world makes a big deal about what you can do with your body, how well you can house your body in some structure on a piece of property, how well you can you maintain physical things. Hollywood actors and actresses, they are made out to be these perfect specimens of, of human flesh when there is no such thing. And there's a great admiration for people and their bodies. And what happens is God's people can get caught up in that nonsense. The body is not to be used in that way. Uh, there are those, as I said, make, make health and the preservation of physical health like a religion. Uh, they follow rigorous health things more than they would follow God's Word. May I say this? Godliness is profitable in all things. We need to mind the Word of God. If we use our bodies the way God says, it'll help preserve our health. I believe that. So 1 Timothy chapter 4 Timothy had some physical ailments. He had some bodily problems that Paul would address here, I believe, in chapter 5. He would tell Timothy, Drink no longer water, but you use a little wine for thy stomach's sake and thine often infirmities. By the way, that verse in the context of all of Scripture does not mean alcoholic wine. For those who want to excuse it that way, uh, we need to understand the Bible as it is written. Amen? But in 1 Timothy chapter 4, obviously people were giving Timothy advice for how to deal with his often infirmities. Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 4, uh, in uh, verse 7, but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise thyself rather unto godliness, meaning being what God wants you to be. Here's what he says in verse 8, for bodily exercise profiteth little. Now, I've heard this point made, and it's true. He doesn't say bodily exercise is not profitable. There is profit to bodily exercise. It can help you think clearer. It can help you stay healthy longer. But there's little profit to it. Bodily exercise profiteth little. But godliness is profitable unto all things, having promise of the life that now is and of that which is to come. Meaning he says bodily exercise will help you now, but it's not going to help you much in eternity. Well, you know, I believe Paul's telling Timothy, don't get consumed with bodily things. Don't get consumed with that, with your physical health. And you can very easily. So we're not to be careful about it. We're not to be careless about it. We're not to be confident in our bodies. And we're certainly not to be consumed with bodily exercise. Sadly, I know of a young man, he believed he was called to China as a missionary. And I really believe he was. Today, he got out of God's will. He got into weightlifting and doing some things in the gym. He ended up, I believe, buying a gym, managing that. And, I mean, that's what he became consumed with. He's lost a marriage, and he's not serving God, and I don't even think he's in church today. Because what became his God? His body. He began to serve his body. Instead of taking his body where God told him, he used his body and served its passions, and it, it railroaded him. He's out of the will of God today. And you could fill in the blanks with other things. It may not be working out at a gym. It may be some other thing. But Christian, we are not to be consumed with our flesh. Bodies, uh, we need the right attitude. Not careful, not careless, not confident in, and not consumed with. Number two, not only our attitude regarding our bodies, but our accountability concerning our bodies. We referenced this verse last week, and the nice message is very simple, but it ought to be very clear. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verses 9 and 10. This is what the Apostle Paul is saying as he's communicating with the church there at Corinth, his second epistle, of course. 
Uh, he mentions the body here. He talks about to be absent from the body, of course, is to be present with the Lord. So if you back up just a little bit from verse 9 into verse 6, he says, Therefore, uh, we are always confident knowing that whilst we are at home in the body, meaning our soul is at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in His body, according to that He hath done, whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your consciences." Paul gives some caution and gives some clarity in this text. He says, I want to let you know that whether, uh, there he says, verse 9, Therefore we labor, that whether present, meaning present with the Lord, or absent, that we may be accepted of Him. Meaning, he says, as I labor, I am not laboring for the approval of my congregation. I am not laboring for the approval of men. I'm not laboring for the approval of the culture. I'm laboring for the approval and the acceptance of Jesus Christ because He's the one I'm going to stand before. And he said, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. How many of us? All of us to receive the things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. This is not referring to whether we are saved or lost. It is referring to whether or not what we've done with our bodies as Christians, as blood-bought believers, did I do good things with my body or did I do bad things with my body? Now, how many of us think that it's a little important how we use our bodies? Now, if we don't believe in the judgment seat, we might as well not believe in the Bible. It's one of the clearest doctrines in Scripture. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And again, what is being judged here is not us, but our works. How many of us understand there's a difference in that? If I said to uh, Colton and Dawson, these are my firewood guys. These guys are, they're my factory. They get it out from the woodshed into the house, onto the shelves, so that I can get it in the furnace, and sometimes they put it in the furnace. So if I said, we're going to stack firewood and we're going to get it in, I want all three shelves filled. And I go down and I look and one shelf is filled and two of them have one stick apiece on there. I'm going to say, all right, guys, we're going out and I'm going to shoot you. You're done. That's it. Your work was not complete. You're dead. That's judging them according to their works. I, look, I don't care how they do their work. I feel the same about them. They're my sons. I love them. If they don't do their work right, they'll get chastisement of some kind or rebuke with my mouth or something. But it's not going to change our relationship, not one iota, as far as they're my sons, and that's not changing. So I'm going to go down, and I'm going to examine their work. I'm not judging them. I'm judging what they've done. And if it's not done right, I'm going to reject it and say, do it again. If it is done right, I'm going to commend them and say, well done. Now, our relationship with God is if you're born again, you're His children, nothing you do or not do is going to change that, but God is going to hold you accountable for what you do. Why? Because He's our Father. And He says, I'm going to hold you accountable for what you do in your body. Someone says, well, grace covers all sins. Well, it does as far as pardon and forgiveness from God's wrath is concerned, but one day we're going to give an account to our Lord and Savior for how we used our tongue what we said and what we would not say. Amen? We're going to give an account for where we took our feet. 
We're going to account for what we did with our hands and know that he knows every action I've committed with my hands. My Savior knows it. I have certain actions since I've been born again and I know based on the word of God at the judgment seat they're going to burn. I'm not, but what I did will. And it grieves me. I don't want to waste the time I have in this body. I have an opportunity, a vapor of time, to invest this flesh in doing things for God. I can turn pages of the Bible or I can click on filthy websites. I'd rather turn pages of the Bible. Yes? What we do with our bodies we'll give an account for. It is this truth that will keep you on track in fellowship with God. That knowing one day I'm going to have to stand before the one who bought me with his blood. And he's going to say, I saved you. I gave you the body to serve me with. Now what did you do with it? We'll give an account to him. That's a caution, is it not? First Corinthians chapter 3, this caution is stated this way. He says in verse 9, For we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry. Ye are God's building. So he's making an analogy. He said, as a church body and as individuals, you're God's building. God is building something in you. So he says this in verse 10. According to the grace of God, which is given unto me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed. That's a caution. Let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. You take heed how you build on the faith you have in Jesus Christ. Verse 11, no other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Verse 12, now if any man build upon this salvation, a foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble. He says you've got six materials that you can build from. And he's just using examples. You can build with gold and silver and precious stones, things that will abide the fire. Or you can build with wood, hay, and stubble. Every man's what? What's he going to say next? Every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire. And the fire shall try every man's work of what? Sort it is. What did he say in Second Corinthians chapter 5? We're going to receive the things done in our body, whether they be good or bad. If they're good, they're gold, silver, and precious stones. If they're bad, they're wood, hay, and stubble. And you know what the fire is? It's going to try our works? His word. That's why it's important that we work in accordance with his word. If our works are tried by his word now, they'll test, pass the test at judgment seat day. But my works are going to be tried, and yours are, as to whether they are good or bad. And he says in verse 14, If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. And if any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss. But he himself shall be saved, yet so is by fire. And then listen, the very next verse. Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? We just dealt with last week that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. And he says, and so you, there's only one foundation to this temple, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. You have this treasure in earthen vessels, but how you build thereon. He's talking about what we do with our bodies as people who have faith in Jesus Christ. He said, you'll be saved, but your works can be burned. I'm just trying to say this. We're going to give an account for the things done in our body, whether good or bad. Should that not form our perspective about our bodies? It should, you know, my sister wrote a wonderful song, One Moment in Eternity. One moment. When I'm going to do something with my body, I ought to think, would I be happy to report about this 
at the feet of my Savior. If I'm going to let something in my ears, what I say, I'd be happy to talk to the Lord Jesus about this. My dad had some, I told you this before, but he had a man one time was trying to quit smoking. And he said, i give you some advice. He said, before you light up, just take a moment, thank the Lord for it. Yeah, I said, I can't do that. He said, well, that's my point. <laughs> you know what? I'd say this. If you can't talk to the Lord about what you're about to do with your body, it's something that's going to burn. If you can't say, Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to turn on this song that glorifies fornication, thank you for this. Then don't listen to it. Right? Lord, I thank you for this music that is known for glorifying drunkenness and uh, for glorifying immorality and is known for people uh, listening to it and these concerts getting high on drugs. Thank you for this. Now, it mentions your lovely name. What nonsense. We do things with our bodies that aren't going to pass muster at the judgment seat. We love the Lord, we don't. I'm trying to say we're given a caution, we're given some counsel, we're given some clarification. Paul says, look... Yes, you're saved, and you are saved once and for all. And the judgment I'm talking about is not dealing with your salvation, but your work. Listen, Christian, if you hear somebody telling you that the grace of God is so wonderful, He doesn't really care what you do with your body. It won't affect your relationship with Him, your fellowship with Him. Somebody lied to you. They may not keep you out of heaven, but they're robbing you of your reward. How about you? I want a reward at the judgment seat. I want him to say, well done. You did what I wanted you to do. Ah, but if our bodily passions get in the way, we'll forfeit our reward at the judgment seat. So our attitude regarding our bodies, our accountability concerning our bodies, and thirdly then, that leads to actions with our bodies. My attitude and my sense of accountability determines what I do. There are churches that what is being preached here tonight is not welcome behind the pulpit, even though it is plainly spelled out in black and white in our Bibles. Now, why would that be, friend? May I ask something? Did I make 2 Corinthians 5 or 1 Corinthians say anything it didn't say? I mean, you'd be my witness. It's your job. You're supposed to judge what I'm saying. It doesn't bother me one bit if you take what I'm saying and say, I'm going to put that to the test of the Bible. That's your job. You're to judge what I'm saying to you. And with good conscience, I can tell you, I didn't twist the Scripture, not one iota. It's what the Spirit of God has said to us about how we use our bodies. And yet there are churches that this is forbidden doctrine. Their entire religious movements, what you're hearing tonight, is forbidden doctrine. You know why? Because it keeps the gates open to sin in the life. Satan uses false doctrine to deceive us and keep us corrupted, keep our witness suppressed, keep the glory of God at, at, at minimum, and to rob us of our reward. If he can't rob you of your eternal life, he'll certainly rob you of your reward. Beware lest any man beguile you. If any man, uh, any, Colossians chapter 2, he says, you, you take heed lest somebody rob you of the, the riches that are in Christ. And I'm just trying to say it tonight, what we think, our attitude concerning our body, and our understanding of our accountability, it has a practical effect on our actions. There are certain things I decided a long time ago, I won't do that anymore for what I'm preaching tonight. I knew, based on what the Word of God says, that wasn't something the Lord Jesus wanted done with my body, and I knew that I was going to give an account, so I said, you know what? Out of love for Him and out of obedience to Him, I'm done with that. And you've done the same thing, I trust. And so then, let's look at a few things about the actions regarding our bodies because of our attitude and because of our understanding of our accountability. Look at Romans chapter 6. And I want you to listen closely to how this is worded. 
Romans chapter 6. He's talking about, the context of Romans 6 is whether or not the gospel of grace is a license to sin. Uh, the first two verses say this. He says, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And the answer is, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? How do you keep living in something that you're dead to? <laughs> what he's saying is, when you get saved, your disposition towards sin changes. You're not trying to get into it. You're trying to get out of it. <laughs> That's what it's supposed to work. Isn't that what repentance is? Because you believe God, you change your attitude towards sin. That's really what it is. And so Romans chapter 6 goes on to say, if you move on down uh, to verse 11, he says, likewise, that's referencing to what it says in verse 10, for in that he died, speaking of Christ, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, just like that, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Listen to verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your what? Mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Can I get real practical tonight? Quit letting your tongue use filthy language. That's sin in your mortal body. Quit backbiting with your tongue. Quit looking at filthy things with your eyes. Quit listening at things to, that promote sin with your ears. Quit advocating idolatry by how you uh, handle uh, money with your hand. Whatever it may be. Quit taking your feet in places that are dishonoring to God. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies. You know what God's saying? Now that you're saved, don't use your body to sin. He says, I can't help it. Then you're lost. Well, it's not that easy. He commands it and he enables it. I can do what? All things through Christ which strengtheneth me. One of the biggest lies Satan tells a Christian is, you're still bound to sin. You can't help it. Not if Christ is your Savior. You can't conquer sin, but he already did. Is this not truth? We have, listen, we have entire programs developed today not to overcome sin, but to manage it. God did not tell you, manage sin in your mortal body. He said, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Quit letting sin run you and control you. We're talking about actions with the body. Where, do my, where does my courage and my ability to stand up with that come from? Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is now in me. My body is His temple. He already conquered my sin when He died on the cross. And He will impart to me the ability to overcome it if I'll trust Him. This is the victory that overcometh the world, even our faith. So then refuse. The actions of the bodies. We're to refuse to let sin reign. What does it mean when somebody reigns? Controls me. It rules my life. I believe this with all my heart. If you're saved tonight, you have the ability to not let sin reign in your mind, in your brain. He says we're to bring every thought into captivity to what? The obedience of Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 through 6 makes it very clear that we're to bring our thoughts of our mind into obedience to Jesus Christ. Now, why would God tell us to do that if he wouldn't enable us to? So if I can encourage you to do anything, if you sit here tonight and you think, there's certain things I do with my body, whether it's in my brain or my mind, I don't want to, but I can't help it. There's only one of two answers to that. If you truly can't help it, then take account of yourself, whether you be in the faith. Examine yourself. 
are you truly born again? You say, I am trusting Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I know He saved me. Then you've believed a lie of Satan if he says you must commit this sin. The Holy Spirit says, no, you must not. And you've got to figure out who you're going to believe. The lie of Satan and the deceitfulness of your flesh or the word of Almighty God who says, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. Our actions, number one, we're to refuse sin in our bodies. Number two, we are to require obedience of our bodies. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're to require obedience to Jesus Christ of our bodies. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. You know what this means? How many of you love rolling out of the bed before the sun comes up in the morning uh, when you are sound asleep and the alarm goes off? It's just the most delightful thing. You're, you're warm, it's cold outside those covers, and it's time to wake up because you're going to get up early enough to spend time in God's Word before you go to work. And you think, well, I have to be to work on time or I can't eat and sleep, but I don't have to read my Bible. Make your body obey. Roll it out of the bed. This, I told you it's practical. I believe it's exactly what Paul is talking about. You say, man... That sounds that sounds so pleasurable to my body, but I know God said don't do it. And you fill in the blank, whatever it may be, there's pleasure in every sin for a season. Hebrews says there's pleasure in sin for a season. There's not a sin at some level. It's, it's committed because of the pleasure it brings the flesh, momentary pleasure, long-term destruction. And what happens is there is the allure and the appeal of sin, but you know what God says. If you're indwelt with the Spirit of God, you've got to say, body, you're not doing that. And you say, I don't know how. Pray God to give you strength, and He will. But we're commanded to, to keep in our bodies and rein them in. Look at 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24. He said, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Now, are we talking about salvation here, or are we talking about that reward he spoke of earlier? What's the context? A reward for faithfulness or salvation of the soul? Reward for faithfulness. He's not talking about salvation here. He's talking about running your race winning a prize. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is what? What's the next word? Temperate in all things. How many of you hear something like this? Well, because God loves you, He wants you happy. And if this makes you happy, you should, you should partake knowing that God loves you and that He wants you happy. That is humanism repackaged in the name of God. And it's false and it's wicked. No, the Bible says if you belong to God, you're going to be temperate in all things. You know what temperance is? Learning by the direction and power of the Holy Spirit to tell yourself two-letter word, no. You know what? The hardest person to tell no is the person you look at in the mirror. I'm I'm testifying right now. It's a lot easier for me to tell my kids no than it is me. That's just the truth of it. It's a lot easier for you to tell a spouse no than it is yourself because that's the rotten nature of our flesh. But we need to learn to do it. How? By the direction and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. This Bible says, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Boys, you could tell me some of the details about the rigorous routine that Tom Brady goes through so he can win Super Bowls. And by the way, it works. He's, He's an old guy now. He's older than me and still winning Super Bowls. You know what? He's got a strict bedtime. He has, he has special pajamas he sleeps in. I mean, he's got all kinds of special diet. He's very temperate in what he eats. Exercise regimen. Why? Because he wants a Super Bowl ring. Well, he's already got one. He wants another one. A corruptible crown. People steal Super Bowl rings or you lose them in court battles. 
You've got to be around a while to know what I'm talking about. O.J. Simpson, right? <laughs> the fact of the matter is, you can lose that stuff. They, they are temperate in their diet. They are temperate in their sleep habits. They are temperate in their uh, in the time they wake up. They are temperate in their physical exercise. Why? So they can win something that can rot or be stolen. But we, an incorruptible crown, we've got something that we'll be able to have for all eternity. Now, they can do it for something that can rot or be stolen. Can't we say no to self so we can hear well done from our Savior? Ah, this is the fuel that fuels the Christian life. I want to hear well done. Paul says, we're running a race, but if you want the prize, you're going to have to learn to tell yourself no. He says, now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, the end of verse 25, but we an incorruptible I therefore so run, just like that, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I do what I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. You know what word subjection means? Obedience. Lest that by any means, when I preach to others, I myself should be a castaway. Paul had some very clear objectives in his life. He wanted, number one, to preach the gospel, but he always wanted to make sure that the gospel was preached with power and that he was in no way an offense to someone else rejecting the gospel, a cause for someone else tripping up over his life. And so what he did, he said, we worked with our own hands night and day lest we would be chargeable unto you. He didn't have to do that, but he did because he knew what God had called him to do and he was determined, if I have to keep my body up a little longer, make it suffer a little bit to forward what God gave me to do with my body, I'm going to do it. We are too pampered <laughs> so many times. Would you agree? Uh, and so the Bible says, if you're going to win, number one, you've got to refuse sin in the body. Let not sin therefore reign your mortal body. Require obedience. I keep under my body and bring it into subjection. Why? Lest that by any means when I've preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. A castaway was someone who was rejected from the athletic games because they weren't fit to run. There was somebody, it would be like getting cut from the team. Paul said, I don't want that. I'm going to do what is necessary. And what is he talking about? Is he talking about discipline of his soul alone? No, he said, I keep under my body. He said, there are things I don't allow my body to do because I want to succeed at doing the will of my master. And although we would have this mindset about the use of our bodies. And so, refuse sin, require obedience, let her see, render service with our bodies. Back to 2 Corinthians 5, 9 and 10. He says, wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. He said, my labor, the way I work and serve the Lord is directly connected to the fact that I know I'm going to stand before my Savior and I want my work to meet His approval. I'll tell you something. I remember used to when I was a kid, my mom would say, never go clean your room. I have a distinct memory of one day. She said, go clean your room. So okay. And so I didn't like cleaning my room because I was lazy and I wanted to do other things. So I went in there and I picked some things up and I left something on my floor. It met my approval because I hadn't even seen the thing on the floor. I wasn't concerned about it like she was, so I looked over. I'd gotten done as quick as I could and done as well as I thought I could, and so I, yep, got her dead. Then Dad comes in the room and didn't meet his approval because there was a T-shirt on the floor. It belonged to me, and I wanted to deny it, and I got all mad because he reproved me for it. Here's what I'm trying to say. I looked at my work, and it met my approval, But boy, it was different when his eye looked at it. We need to be careful to not say, well, I think I meet my own, I'm doing a good job, I I approve of the work I'm doing. No, we need to know his mind and make sure we're meeting his approval. 
not, he's not sitting over us as an angry Lord. Do you know what? I believe he wants us to have rewards more than we do. But if we listen to him and mind his instruction, we'll be glad on judgment day we did. If we'll say, you know what? I can use my body to sin. I can waste my body or I can use it to serve the Lord and prepare for that. We'll keep under our body so we're... To re- then we'll be glad. We refuse sin in the body, require obedience of our bodies, render service with our bodies, use it to do the work of God, and then resign to suffering in our bodies. Are we actually supposed to say, if I'm going to serve God, there's going to be a certain level of suffering in my flesh? That doesn't mean you're going to get beat necessarily. But how many of you know that going without a meal for a day or two causes a minor level of suffering? It can and does. Minor, not like having, you know, your head lobbed off. But the fact is, if you're going to do what's right, there's times your body's not going to like it. The fle- Listen, would you say there's a level of suffering with rolling out of the bed early when you could be sleeping? But if you're going to pray, does the Lord Jesus want us to use our bodies to pray? He does. The Bible, I read this very morning. He rose, I believe it was a great while before day, and went into the wilderness... He would take his body in some far off place or be alone with the Father and pray. And I'm trying to say this. The body does not like spiritual things. It doesn't like prayer. It doesn't like witnessing to other people. It doesn't like doing what's right. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't like uh, fasting. It doesn't like scripture study. The Bible says much study is a weariness to the flesh. This is why so many don't do what's right. We're listening to our bodies more than the Holy Spirit. It's not wise. And so we have to yield ourselves to say there's times in order to please my Savior, my body isn't going to like it. There are times I may get less sleep than I want or less food than I want or less pleasure than I want. But you know what? If it's for the Lord and obedience to Him, it's well worth it. Uh, if you would now, First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter 4 verse 1. Second Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. I fear that we have a fleshly reasoning at times. I have to beat it down in my own mind that says I will have succeeded when I can live the most comfortable life to my body as possible. That's just not true. It's just not true. Now, may I say this very quickly for for a word of warning. God would never have us be abusive to our bodies Being sedentary is never something that he advocates in his word. There are those that neglect the body. He doesn't want you to starve yourself to death or wear brown drab clothing around as some form of humility. That's not godliness. I'm just talking about doing what is necessary to obey God. Bringing our bodies into submission to God's will. 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 1 says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. You need the same attitude. You need the same perspective as Jesus Christ. He su- To obey God, his flesh suffered more than any of us could endure. It says, For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. He that what? Hath suffered in his flesh hath ceased from sin. You're going to have to tell your flesh. You're just going to have to suffer. I know you want that. I know it pleases you. I know that you like that, but you're not getting it. That's not what God wants. Now, friends, this is, this is just practical. But we need it, do we not? How many of you are like me and your body has lust? 
May I say this? It's going to be with you until the day you get a new one. So we've got to learn how to deal with that. God says, make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. We've got to learn to tell our bodies, no. You know what? There are certain things today people say, uh, well, pastor, why don't you watch this and why don't you watch that? If they were to say that, you must hate that stuff. No, I don't watch it because I like it. It likes it. So the best thing I know to do is just don't watch it. You want to get addicted to something if you don't make provision for it. So say, well, you must just hate that old country music. There's part of me that likes it. Now, some of it's so stupid I can't stand to hear it. But whatever kind of music it may be, well, you must just it must be disgusting. Oh, there's actually an appetite for secular music in my body, appealing to the ear, appealing to the senses, yes. So you know what? Cut it off. Why? Because I want to be able to serve Him. I don't want to be ramrodded on the side of the road, crippled from serving God because I couldn't say no to me. By the way, you can't just say, well, you have to depend on the Spirit of God. Who tells themselves no? Only those who love the Lord Jesus Christ enough to tell Him yes. You'll tell yourself no when saying yes to Him is the only thing that runs your life. Amen? Every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Why? To obtain a crown. Hope tonight you're running to win. If so, we're going to have to learn that our body is not to be served our body is a tool to serve the master.